Good evening, everybody. Thanks for joining us on tonight's live stream. Uh, I, I have to say, tonight and tomorrow night are going to be banner uh, broadcasts because uh, our two guests... Tonight, we have Christina Boudreau, and a lot of you are going, oh, who's Christina Boudreau? Well, you're going to find out, and, and you're going to be uh, tremendously challenged and blessed because uh, we're going to be dealing with a topic that I think our county supervisors really need to dial in on, and when they hear her story, if they're not moved, uh, they've got to go to a hospital and get their heart checked. And then tomorrow night, uh, I'm going to be uh, with uh, a lieutenant commander from the Navy SEAL team, and we're going to both be reflecting on our hero. And the two of us have the exact same hero, uh, mm. which you'll find very interesting. And so I'd encourage you, uh, stay tuned for tonight because it's, it's going to be remarkable. To my left is uh, one of the bravest young ladies I've mm. ever had the privilege to know. And then tomorrow night is going to be a chance to meet uh, my hero. And then as always, Faithful David, good mm. to have you with us. Welcome Thanks. back from your travels. And Thank it's good you. to have you here. Uh, oh, and by the way, if you didn't check out last night uh, with uh, Rhonda Baldwin-Kennedy and the two uh, business Matt. owners, Matt and uh, Barbara, uh, Pizza Cookery and Mrs. Olson's, mm -hmm. uh, that's already got 6,000 views. Folks, tune into that because you'll get a better grasp of what's happening with these lockdowns and how it's affecting our community. And it's a perfect segue into tonight's uh, program because with me, Christina Boudreau, uh, we got to know each other through Pottersfield Ministry, which that's uh, kind of one of those things in life I want to forget. It was tragic. Yeah. Yeah. So for folks who don't know about uh, Pottersfield Ministry, and Christine, if you want to jump in on that and talk about it later, feel mm -hmm. free. But I'll just give a Reader's Digest version. It was a ministry that worked uh, in churches and discipled young people that really went off the rails and became borderline cultic. Um, and then I was called in to come and clean it up and get all mm -hmm. the kids home. And that's mm -hmm. how I met you, yeah. uh, bringing you off the mission field and uh, getting re-entry for you and your, I guess, classmates. Or, yeah. um, and, and the tragedy that has ensued over that and all that's taken place. And I mean, you know, I didn't do that for money. I didn't get paid to do it. I just saw all these kids just struggling and stepped yeah. into that. And I, I didn't realize what a mess it was. But we did the best we could, and I'd, I'd reflect back on that thinking, the amount of time that was invested, and I'd, I just felt like I hadn't accomplished anything. But then to connect with you, uh, it was all worth it. Yeah. And, and I know there's far more, but I, I just have to say, Christina, uh, the story that the folks are going to hear tonight and who you are and how God's used you is uh, pretty remarkable. So before I get to the main issue, which mm -hmm. is what our county has failed to recognize yeah. Uh, especially in these lockdowns, and you're going to speak into this. And, and listen, uh, county supervisors, the, the press, all the folks, you, you need to watch tonight's broadcast. It, this is going to give you an insight into an area that no one's talking about. And, Christina, you're going to share. Yeah. But before we get to that, I want people to learn a little bit about you. Yeah. So you're 31? Yes. You preserve well. You look very young. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. You were born in Riverside. Yes. Um, and you work for a ministry called the Whosoever's. Yes. But that came about after Pottersfield. Um, so I was a part, I was with them like before Pottersfield, okay. but like Montana was kind of like my home base that I was going to travel out of like for my tours. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And the Whosoever's are an evangelistic organization, goes into yeah. public schools, goes into like, Christian schools, goes into skate parks. You go wherever mm -hmm. kids are yeah. and you reach in to their world and share mm -hmm. with them about the Lord mm -hmm. and uh, help them through their malaise and all their struggles. And, yeah. you know, we have a generation of young people that are just tragically suffering. Yeah. And you've had some amazing ministry opportunities and yeah. you'll get a chance to reflect on that. Mm -hmm. um, but you've you've had some heartache. Yeah. I mean, you, you've been through, I mean... Mm -hmm. Your family, I don't, granted, and yeah. like I was saying to you earlier, yeah. I'm going to get to know you yeah. for the first time really yeah. like the rest of the folks are. Yeah. Share with me yeah. how you ended up in the whosoever's, mm -hmm. how you ended up in Potter's Field, yeah. all the heartache mm -hmm. uh, encapsulated as best you can. Yeah, nutshell version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up in a background where there was a lot of trauma. I uh, grew up in a home where on a regular basis I was raped, physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse. And so as a young kid I dealt with a lot of anger, I dealt with a lot of depression. By the time I was nine years old 
I went to school and I was writing death letters to kids at school because I was so angry and I just was like trying to get out everything that was being put into me at home, which was just a lot of unhealthy stuff. And so at nine years old, I ended up in juvenile hall and a pastor came because I went to a Christian school at the time and he said, Christina, I'm going to give you an option. You can either, you know, stay in juvie till high school, which is they don't take debt threats lightly at school, right, let me right, tell right, you. Right. Or you could do an intensive counseling. And he said, I know that you love horses. You could work with horses. And being nine years old, all I knew was that all of this very violent activity was being done to me. And so... you were, at, at nine years of age, you're being raped. Yeah. You're being physically, emotionally yeah. Yeah. Uh, abused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I want folks to know yeah. I mean, that this is happening at an early age. Yeah, it's devastated your psyche. You're yeah. crushed. Yeah, you're lashing out. Yeah, and now you're in juvenile hall. Yeah, and you're with this youth minister who's giving yeah. you an option. Yeah, okay. and he gave me the option that you could either do counseling or you could go to juvie. And I just, oh, he he mentioned horses, and I said I love horses, you know, because every little girl loves horses. And so I started. That's doing, true. That's yeah, true. yeah, yeah. Every little girl loves horses, and so. I started doing like counseling and horse stuff and so obviously everything that was happening at home continued and by the time I was 6th grade, 7th grade, 8th grade I developed extreme eating disorders, depression, anorexia and bulimia. Was this a relative that was perpetrating this evil on you? Yeah. So the relatives in the home and you're you're trying to process life, so you're dealing with bulimia, yeah. anorexia, yeah, depression, I mean, depression, yeah, and, and, and you're in your teens now. So not yeah. only are you physically changing, and you got you know hormonal mm-hmm. changes, yeah, you've got trauma, yeah. I mean, it, the, it's just unleashed. It's a hurricane of hell. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was a lot. And so by the time I was in high school, when I was 16 years old, was the first time I attempted suicide. And the second time I attempted suicide, I ended up in a hospital for three days. And at that point, I was sent to rehab at Loma Linda Hospital. When you say rehab, so now you're dealing with substance abuse. um, So at the time, I was, like, abusing pills. You know, it was, like, for eating disorders also, um, laxatives, diet pills. Like, anything that could numb the pain I was feeling, I tried. So Mm -hmm. I did. And so... Um, field rehab going into my senior year of high school was when I picked up a razor for the first time mm. and I completely destroyed my arms and legs. Jeez. And was it like cutting? Yeah, I was cutting, okay. yeah. Because self-harm is also huge with, with teens today. Just yeah. so folks understand, yeah. you think, why would anyone cut themselves? It, it, yeah. It's a pain you can control. Yeah. Is I, that's the best I yeah. can Yeah, and it releases endorphins. Okay. And so oftentimes kids will burn themselves, they cut themselves, they uh, they destroy their bodies. They often do it in places you can't see. At the time, like I did it on my arms and legs, and I was at Harvest going to church at the time, and so I remember going up to my youth pastor, which was Steve Wilburn. He's an amazing pastor here yeah, in L.A. I'm on his board. Yeah, I love him. He's yeah, good man. good man. And his, um, our youth group was huge. You know, we had like 500 kids on a Wednesday night. It was gigantic. Him, yeah, <laughs> and him and his wife loved me through so much of my brokenness, and I remember going hit t- up to him on a Sunday. This was like right before the Harvest Crusades, and I rolled up my arms that were still mm. like, fresh from the night before and I said Pastor Steve I, I don't know what to do anymore and that day he took my hand and he's like we're going to go on this youth trip with me we're going to love you we're not going to leave you here and I never forget that because I knew that that was the heart of God mm. really he, showing he, me he and yeah. Lori are amazing oh they're yeah. amazing yeah that they um, they just were like we're going to fight for you you know and so um, I remember getting on my knees one night Like so that was like right before my senior of high school and then Two weeks into my senior year of high school, I got on my knees one night before the Lord, and I was going to commit suicide because I had, I was tired of fighting. You know, like when you're when you're on a battlefield and you're continually being abused, and you feel like everything you're trying is not numbing the pain. Were you able to tell anybody you were being abused at this point? It was one of the things that they had tried to get me to talk about in rehab, but at the time, like. I had blacked so much of it out, which happens with trauma victims, yeah, that yeah. you're just trying to survive. Dr. Shawnee has pointed that yeah, out Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is I'm yeah. hearing all these defense mechanisms that yeah. you use to protect yourself. Yeah. There's a difference between contemplating yeah. suicide as yeah. a defense mechanism as yeah. opposed to contemplating suicide because of a chemical imbalance in your brain. Yeah. So yours is 
is in the realm of yeah. this is my defense mechanism. I gotta, yeah. I gotta get out of here. Gotta get out of here. Yeah. And that's a huge difference that people need to realize as yeah. we're in our COVID society mm -hmm. that a lot people, of people are looking for ways to get out. Yeah, and that's something that a lot of people as you know, we continue with what happened last year for me that you know, like with suicide. And so at the time I got on my knees one night and I and I love I love who Jesus is because he is a God who heals. And that night I said, Lord, I've, I've lost the battle. Because I was hospitalized for my eating disorder because my doctors said, told my parents that anorexia and bulimia, bulimia specifically, has the highest mortality and morbidity rate of any mental illness. Mm -hmm. And I had passed out many times. You get cardiac arrest and they said she will die because mm -hmm. it was so severe. And if, it, if it's not by suicide, it will be because of her Just, eating disorder, yeah, the, you know? The physical yeah. And so at the time, I got on my knees one night and I said, Lord, I can't do it anymore, and I need you to show up. And that night, it wasn't like God came down, I had this whole thing, but I felt the Lord come upon my life, and he <clears throat> healed me of a seven-year battle of anorexia and bulimia. Mm. And it's something that I can't describe exactly what happened, but it was something that he completely healed me from. And I never threw up my food or starved myself again, you know. And so um, after that point, um, I, from the age of 18 to 28, you know, well, I'm, we'll kind of do that. I, that's, I knew, a big, that's a big jump for us. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. That's a reader's but, thing. Yeah, <laughs> but, that, but between that time, I, I had spent 10 years and now almost 13 years as an internationally signed plus size model, helping girls around the world know that they're beautiful. So that was a part of my ministry. Um, I'm a speaker and author. I did a TED talk in 2018 called yeah. I Am Beautiful. Yeah. And in, in, in 2018, but during that time, my home was still very volatile. I was no longer being raped, but the cops were still at my house a lot. I had family deal members dealing with mental illness. People are in and out of jail. There's drug addiction. And I stayed, which a lot of people feel like they have to stay because I was trying to protect, I was trying to save, I was trying to rescue, all of the things, right? But in 2018, I moved to Montana to be a part of Potter's Field. I started off as a guest teacher at the mission school. Right. And they said, we can offer you a way out and a new home. But when I was up there, I experienced a lot of very painful things. And I was a part of our class in Florida because... At the end of 2018, two days after my TED talk, I had a bottle of pills and I was going to overdose because I was so tapped out. I was going to take my life mm -hmm. at the end of 2018. And this was someone where I had been in full-time ministry for 10 years, but I was, I was tapped out. I had burned the candle at both ends. I was he, experiencing... Cra yeah, I was, I was tired. Yeah, it and ha I just it happens in ministry. Yeah. yeah. It happens everywhere in life. And I, just not yeah, and with suicide, what a lot of people don't realize is that even now with COVID, like people want to commit suicide because oftentimes they're in so much pain and they feel like that's the only way out. And that, to me, was what I felt like was the only way out. So because I had that suicide attempt... I was sent to Florida for three months, and I came back, as, and I was touring with the Whosoevers when I found out that a Potter's Field got shut down. Talk about the Whosoevers, if you Yeah. Know. So the Whosoevers, um, I'm one of our ambassadors, so I speak at our high schools. Where's the name parks. come from? That's a good Okay. Name. So um, John 3.16, you know, for God's soul of the world, that he that gave his only whoever believes in him. And so the whosoever is our anyone. It was started by Ryan Reese, Wal Reese's son, yep. Sonny Sandoval from lead singer of POD, and Brian Head Welsh from Corn. Mm -hmm. And so these are guys that came out of hardcore, yeah, hardcore, yeah. 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 So we tour skate parks, detention centers, prisons, homeless shelters, high schools. Kids we that go, just have no hope. Yeah, we go to Mexico and we see kids who are part of the cartel gives their lives to Jesus, like. The, like the gnarliest stuff like we were in a prison this is just a quick story um in durango mexico in 2000 and this is the end of 2019 in november and i remember we walked into a prison in the state of durango that had 3,000 ex-cartel members this is like the men's side right and that day i remember standing in the middle of that courtyard with unarmed guards these guys could have done anything to us right these guys like each one of us shared and i stood in the middle and I, and I gave a spoken word piece about who God is as our father. And I said, a lot of you have had fathers who have taught you how to kill, 
who have done all this stuff, but how many of you want to meet the Father of Heaven today? We just talked about Jesus. And I said, I'm going to kneel in the middle. If you want to leave, I didn't use the word cartel because a lot of them, once they get out of prison, are going to go back to the cartel. But I said, if you want to leave the those violent fathers behind, meet me in the middle. There was 200 of those guys that literally came and just kneeled and wept because that was to them a stand of saying, we're, we're leaving that. And it was one of the most like punk rock moments our team talks about <laughs> because that's what we see on tour. Yeah. We see God physically heal people. We see God touch people. We see people turn from radical lives. We plug them into churches and it's amazing, you know, and so that's a lot of what we do with the two, whosoever is right now. We're doing skate park tours all around the U.S. Skate park tours. We've met kids coming up to us, rolling up their sleeves, showing us cuts, suicide, kids telling us they're being quarantined with their abusers. I know we're going to get into that a and little you're later. Like, uh, you're like been there, done that. Got the yeah, 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 you know. Talk. Yeah, and so that's a lot of the whosoever's. And so long story short, 2019, you know, when everything happened with Pottersfield. 20, by, the, by the way, let's describe yeah. what happened in Pottersfield so folks yeah. understand. Yeah, so with Pottersfield. It was, it was a national yeah. ministry with Mike yeah. and Pam Rizzell. Yeah. They, he, would, he would throw pottery uh, yeah. a jar on the stage yeah. and do an altar call. People would come yeah. to Christ. They started a discipleship program. Yeah. Um, and then they did orphanages all over. Yeah. They had Uganda and Guatemala mm-hmm. and, and yeah. other places. Cambodia. Yeah. And then they would do child sponsorships a lot like World Vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Ignite program. Yeah. It, and then they started Mudman Burger. Mm-hmm. And then it got really weird, mm-hmm. like manipulative. Yeah. Um, I think what they called the ministry style, um, oh gosh, where they put you in a room and, and they would berate you until you would either confess or. Yeah. Like, or, or or leave, repent yeah. or leave kind of thing. Yeah. It was brutal. Yeah. Oh, I was stunned by it when I came across it. I, I yeah. was saddened. Yeah. Because this is, that's how the sausage is made. And, you know, we see the finished product. We're like, oh, it's great ministry. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Yeah. yeah. No. Plus you guys were all being used as labor for Yeah, we abuse. all worked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we worked uh, 12 to 13 hour <clears throat> days for six days straight. And... Most of, I remember, like, and these kids were only getting paid $300 a month. And I remember I would walk into work sometimes, like at Mudman, because I took, you know, time off to just, like, get away to Montana, just kind of heal from stuff, you know, like what I said. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was days that I would see kids taking half-eaten burgers out of the trash can and eating them. Well, and they, like, also had, they had to pull yeah. their tips, too. When yeah. they got tips, they had to put them in the jar. I mean, yeah. everything was taken. Yeah, it was just, you know, many people call it, a cult. I remember one sun, one Saturday night I went to visit Levi Lesko's church because he would emcee the Harvest Crusades. You know, my dad's like, oh, Levi yeah. Lesko's in, you know, not far, Kalispell. I went and then I got pulled into a meeting and yelled at for an hour because it's outside of Pottersfield and we don't associate with, you know, Levi yeah. Lesko, that whole thing, right? So it was very like they controlled where you slept, what you wore, like, you know, who you hung out with. Like your whole life was calculated. Mm-hmm. And so in 2019, when everything went to ground zero, all of my clothes were in Montana. I had just gotten back from India. It's like the picture, you know. Mm-hmm. I had like tunics and bangles and whosoever shirts. And the Lord said, just leave it. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. Mm-hmm. So I just said, donate it, because what else am I going to do, you know? And it, that was about the time I showed up there. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, I I was under the impression that, yeah. you know, they were being unfairly treated. Yeah. And they hadn't followed Matthew 18 being accused of stuff they didn't yeah. do. So I stepped in voluntarily. Yeah. And I went I went the distance with them only yeah. to realize they were given a fair shake. And yeah. this, this is really bad. I mean, it's awful what they're doing. Yeah. And so we tried to shut the ministry down. Yeah. We tried to sell the properties, get the kids yeah. home. Mm-hmm. I remember we were doing, trying to do the transition for the kids. Yeah. Because they were just... They were a mess. And, and nobody was caring for them. They shut yeah. the ministry down. All these kids were disenfranchised and lost. And yeah. they'd come from broken situations. And we had to get them home. And mm-hmm. um, we had a cash flow issue. But we got them all there. Mm-hmm. And then we did a transition with a number of them. came back from Uganda, I think mm-hmm. it was. And that's yeah. how we got connected. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, well, and you were saying too is that 
These are people, the kids that put their trust in God, trust in the ministry, and now the best they, kids that just love missions and love yep, Jesus, yeah, which yeah. are the best kids, you yeah, know. Now they've gotten beaten a second time, yeah, as a result of the situation. And yeah. you said there's some people that are still struggling to get, yeah, back on footing because yeah. now they trusted a second time. And yeah, because a lot of them, it was a 30-year ministry. So it was people that were even in the ministry 10 years ago that had flags. Because if you ever spoke up, you were berated and your entire reputation was completely smeared. Yeah. One of my friends who was one of the young pastors there, not Austin, it was, you know, the other young pastor, Jordan. Yeah, Jordan. Was forced, I remember him. Yeah, he was on the board. He was forced to sleep in his car for five days because he, at the end of 2018, he went to Mike and he said, I'm tired and I can't work 90-hour weeks anymore. And Mike yelled at him for eight hours and said, you can't go home to your wife till you repent. This young guy slept in his car for five days, you know, like, and it was just sad. But that was just what went on. And that's, and we were all told, don't talk to him until he repents. It was cultish. I remember the the term was busted or broken. yeah, Yeah, yeah. That's literally what it was. And so a lot of them a year and a half later are still dealing with the effects of it. A lot of them, which was the senior staff who had given 10, lives of the, 10 years of their life to the ministry, plus most of the staff, 90% of them were between the ages of 18 to 25. Hmm. And to this day, hmm. a lot of them who were passionate about missions and Jesus, pastors, kids, still call me. I talk to three or four of them every week for the past year and a half. Yeah. And I just listen. And I'm like, if you're only comfortable to just sit and just listen to Jesus in prayer, a lot of them can't open the Bible or rock into church because everything was so distorted because the day that everything happened, Mike and Pam went and left to their house in the mountains. And when you read John 10 about a true shepherd, you know, about the shepherd that doesn't Mm -hmm. care for the sheep when the sheep are scattered, they leave, you know, they were never true shepherds. They were workers because if they really loved them, they would have stayed and done what you did. Transition all of them until every single one of them, you know, whatever. So... A lot of them are still struggling, but I've seen God meet them in that. And that's just who God is, that he is their good shepherd. So that's something that everyone's in a different place in their healing process. But in it, a lot of them have come out and texted me. Because when everything happened, I said, Lord, the day that it happened, I said, I'm going to continue to serve you and be faithful to you. It's been a hard healing process. But a lot of them have texted me and said, "You seeing you serve with the whosoever's has encouraged us that if you could keep going, we can keep going. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So you come back off the mission field. We yeah. connect. You yeah. start working with the whosoever's. We actually yeah. supported you on a mission. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And, uh, and then you get connected through Craig and Lauren yeah. Lindquist, who yeah. helped with Uganda yeah. because they were involved yeah. with Pottersfield. And yeah. they, they were the ones early on who saw the mess. And yeah. And Craig called me, you know, yeah. to attention in regards to it. And so um, now you end up at our church, and you and I hadn't met. And yeah. You know, here you are dealing with a guy who's really political. Mm-hmm. You're coming out of the whosoever's. It's kind of like, hey, mm-hmm. we just do the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it, it had to be kind of, who is this guy, and how do we? You know, but it's interesting how the Lord's yeah. knitted our heart in yeah. relation to that. I mean, you've yeah. seen things. Yeah. You're not turned away by it. No. And you understand the significance of what we're doing, but it Absolutely. hasn't changed your calling of evangelism. No. No. And and you you see those two worlds as meshing. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Yeah. Because has it challenged you? You know, I think, like, I'm very, like, awake of, like, kind of what's happening, like, politically, you know, with, like, because we see, especially with coronavirus, you know, and the effects that it's had on our kids, and even with what you said, like, it's important for us to get involved, like, like, kind of like the body of Christ is like an army, and we, and we realized on our team that in this fight of 2020, our part of the battlefield was youth kids. Your guys' yeah. part was like the political stuff, you know. Yeah. And everybody and, has a facet of the diamond. Yeah, and or a so of the stretcher. it's important to get involved because silence equals complacency. Yeah, yeah. and if you're complacent, nothing will change. Yeah. Well, let's let's transition because yeah. this is this is for me the part that yeah. really hit me. Yeah. And I wanted folks to hear this, especially as yeah. I had commented to yeah. supervisors, elected yeah. officials, because mm-hmm. they govern by our consent. Mm-hmm. They've got these lockdown orders. Now, we've yeah. had in our county of 856,000 people, we've tragically yeah. had a little over 500 deaths, which yeah. is one five hundredth of 1% yeah. um, of our population has died tragically. Mm-hmm. And we don't know how many of those are from or with, and we, yeah. we don't get that data. Yeah. We've done over 900,000 tests in our county. 
But we've locked down, and, and our governor's locked down our state. And I've, I've been saying this over and over again, that they've, they've shuttered our schools. They've shuttered our businesses. Uh, over 60% of our restaurants will never reopen, small businesses. Mm -hmm. We had the, the folks last night talking about that. Mm -hmm. And they're pushing back on this tyranny. It's a violation of the Fifth Amendment. We had an attorney on going through all that. We've had some wins there. But one of the statements I make is, and, and they never seem to chime in on this, in the last 12 months in American history, the last 12 months is the highest recorded number of opioid deaths in the history of our country in the last 12 months. The other thing they avoid is the suicides. And then I make this statement. I say they quarantine the abused with their abusers. Now, I didn't know anything about your situation. You and I haven't really, as they're learning, I'm learning. Mm -hmm. But you came to me and you said, that's a significant statement. And I yeah. said, tell me why. And you have a personal illustration in regards to that. So when I say that, that these elected officials have forced the abused to be quarantined with their abusers, yeah. this, isn't, this isn't a small issue. This is hugantic, yeah. ginormous, yeah. stealing that from, mm -hmm. yeah, elf. Yeah. <laughs> Elaborate on that. Yeah, so in 2000... Let them understand. Yeah. So in 2019, uh, for example, when I got back from Potter's Field... And you're um, devastated. Yeah, yeah, completely devastated. Lost my livelihood, all my clothes, my home, which was in Montana, my community, two people that I thought I trusted. My whole world was shut up, turned upside down. Um, people you put your trust in once again have abused you. Yeah. And now you're rudderless and yeah. you go back to blood relatives. Yeah. It's the only place to go. Yeah. I went back to um, my family's house and at the time this family member that raped me growing up had just gotten out of jail because their partner said they tried to kill them but because there wasn't enough evidence they let them go. So my parents allowed this person back in the house. And your parents don't know what they do. Oh, they, they do. They do. Okay. But I'm That's from a culture sad. that... It's something that's not talked about. When you do talk about it, it's, it's shameful. So there's a whole other dynamic with that we won't get into. We'll leave it alone, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so I lived with this person for a complete full year of, you know, 2019 into 2020. Quarantined. Yeah, with them and having to see them day in and day out, me coming back from tours, having to look, see them in the face. Um, this person is a female who I was the first person they experimented on, lives a homosexual lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so I would have to see, have to listen to her watch homosexual movies at nighttime and, you know, with sex scenes in it. And I'm hearing this heavily involved in witchcraft, which is a whole other dynamic. Yeah. And, and you have no ability to leave. No. You have no financial wherewithal. Yeah, yeah. I, cause I had lost everything and I'm a missionary. And so... When I, so going into 2020, and I was like, and, I, and honestly, during this time, I would skateboard a lot. I would stay at friends' houses. Like, I would try to get out as much as I can, but that's treading water, you know? Like, I was a swimmer, you know, like you. Yeah. It's yeah. like trying to do egg beater and crashing waves. Like, you can only do it for so long. And so in 2020, when coronavirus hit, yes, I was quarantined with this person. They ended up leaving at one point. We're homeless on the streets of downtown L.A. In September, when they came back, um, I was coming back from L.A. from a photo shoot. And my dad. And that whole day, I just had this crazy, like, I was having these crazy thoughts that I was going to get raped. And I was like, why am I having these thoughts? That's when I got a call from my dad that this person was moving back in the home. Mm. And at that point... I felt like the Lord was was like, girlfriend, it's time to swim forward. And I was going to leave on tour through Montana and Idaho with the whosoever's for Suicide Awareness Week, like in three days, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, I have a tour to go on. So I stayed with friends, confronted my parents, and I said, I'm done treading water. And I, this is what I told them. I said, people who are abused cope by drugs, sex, alcohol, and you know, cutting pills. Suicide. Yeah, suicide. Well, yeah. And I said, I'm not doing any of those things. I've got Jesus. But I said, and pe when people that have to live with their abusers and be quarantined with their abusers because this abuser is not working from home and I have to see them day in and day out, like I don't get a break. 
They commit suicide because that's their only way out. Yeah, you can't cope with alcohol You can't. Drugs. Yeah, yeah, you can't. I said, I got Jesus. I don't do that stuff. I'm straight edge across the board. Well, the other thing we've talked about, too, yeah. is the outlets have been the church, your yeah. school, a therapist, yeah. or, or escaping. And, yeah, or, or that, that's parents, all shut down. They're all shut down. Yeah, and so what outlets do these people have? They have none. And so I literally, the first place that came to mind that the Lord brought to mind was God speak. And I know like the linguists, I know you guys, because in my mind, <laughs> that was the last place I felt safe. And so I talked to my friend I went to India with, and I said, I'm just going to talk to the linguists after I get back from tour. And on that tour for the two weeks, for two to three events a day through Montana and Idaho, I shared my story over and mm. over and over again. And I gave my heart to all those kids, like and Sunny Sandoval from POD and Ryan Reese around that tour. And all of these kids on this tour all had stories of also being quarantined with their abusers. And so God used it. But one thing I told them, we even went to a homeless shelter where women and children were there because they were being quarantined with an abusive mm. husband, yeah. an alcohol husband. Kids at, the, kids at the detention center were there because they were being quarantined on the Indian reservations and one-bedroom meth houses with their abusers, and they were protecting themselves by stabbing their abusers, which is why they ended up in juvie. But one thing I told those kids was, I'm getting, I'm like, I'm leaving and I want you to leave and I don't want you to go back. Cause it's a hard, it's easy to go back cause it's comfortable. But I said, dude, I don't want to see you guys in here a year from now. Cause I ended up in juvie when I was nine. And I said, yeah. I get you, but we're not going back. I said, I'm going to be free and you have to fight to be free. So basically I like knowing that I had just lost my home again, just like in Montana, knowing that my parents shamed me as I left that day. But one, but the truth that I knew that day was that God was my father and he loved me and I had so much confidence in him. So when I, right when I got back from tour, I stayed with the linguists and a place opened up for me that I now stay with, with an amazing couple from the church. You yeah, guys know who sweet. they are. Yeah, they're yeah, sweetest yeah. people. You found a good place. Yeah. yeah. They are precious. They're amazing. And when I went back to move my stuff, I was yelled at, shamed, and ostracized um, by family because when when you set boundaries with abusers, when you when you finally speak up and say I am worth enough to fight to be free, mm -hmm. that doesn't always go over well with situations. It yeah, it's it's hard. And but I was like. But I was like, listen, man, if you feel like you need to take care of this person, do it. But I'm going to be free. And this is the first time in my life that I have not lived in trauma with cops at the house, with having to look at this person in the face. But one thing I wanted to talk about even tonight was as someone who's 31 years old, who's been in counseling since I was nine years old, the effects of having to live with an abuser even after the fact, this is a few months later, are still very real. Mm. And and you have a mind to process it. Yeah, and I have a mind to process it. I have an amazing trauma counselor, an amazing community here. But a lot of these kids that we've met on tour and a lot of people now, people can't afford $100, $150, $200 an hour of counseling. A lot of people don't, a lot of these kids don't have the resources. So what are they doing right now? They're at home, they're cutting themselves, they're throwing up their food, they're starving themselves, they're doing drugs, they're doing alcohol. And the effects afterwards of how they're going to try to medicate these kids because they're probably going to deal with bipolar, yeah. mental illness, this depression. Is gonna, this is going to go on for years. Years. I still deal with night terrors of this person coming after me. And at third service this last week at church, that Saturday night, I had a dream that this person came after me, and all I could do that morning was during worship, I cried, and I looked at Pamela, who's a good friend of ours, and I said, Pamela, like, I just need to cry. So we just, like, went. We got pizza at the old cookery pizza place, the one that's open, yeah, Thousand pizza Oaks. Cookery. Pizza cookery. And, and we just talked, you know, yeah. because it's still hard. Right. And it's very real. And this is someone who's, like, that I'm still working through it at 31, but how is... but and I know how to work this because I've been doing it for years, but a lot of these little kids, a lot of them aren't given the tools, which is why a lot of them have their only way out is suicide. Okay, so the median age, tragically, yeah. of death to COVID yeah. is in, in the mid to late 70s. Yeah. 
But when you have a young person die of suicide, yeah. how much does it clip of the life expectancy? Mm. You know, we're, we're seeing a disease where over 90% of the deaths are, you know, 60 and older in our county. And this is comorbidities, mm -hmm. and we know who it affects. But the young people who've been quarantined with their abusers and have lost the mandated reporters, which are schools and churches, have been shuttered. Mm -hmm. Where are they going? Where are they going? And yeah. they have no restaurant to go to, nowhere to work. They've lost their employment, and they're being quarantined with their abusers. Our, our elected officials need to hear this. Yeah. And nobody's talking about this. No one is. And so you're traveling the country. You're seeing the devastation of this. Mm -hmm. And here's someone at 31 years of age. You can process it. And you're trying to help these kids out of this misery and this malaise. Mm -hmm. And yet those who are supposed to be caring for us as, a, as public servants yeah. have neglected this completely. Yeah. Now, they, they put a, a little blob, a, a blurb up on their website. and I mean, how many kids are surfing that? No. None of them. Yeah. yeah. And you, and you escaped, mm -hmm. and for every person like you that escaped, there's a certain amount that haven't yeah. escaped or will be suffering with trauma. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you were talking to one of these people, I, we've talked about it a lot, but what advice would you give them? What, what would be their escape paths to get? You know, so a lot of the kids that I met from the Indian reservations that day at the detention center, a lot of them, you know, felt like they had to go back to protect, but they were given options of going to a group home, staying with a family or whatever. And what I told them is you're going to be in this vicious cycle of going back home and then getting back in the detention center, going back home and getting back. Whatever safe place, whatever resources are given to you, take it. Whatever lighthouse is in your life, swim as hard as you can towards it. God speak was that for me, hmm. that this was a place that especially with churches needing to stay open, churches are lighthouses in the darkness right now. Yeah. And I swam as hard as I could to God speak. Mm -hmm. And I told my parents, I'm not coming back. Yeah. And they were just like, well, let us know when it doesn't work out. And clearly it's worked out because I'm still here four months later. Yeah. And, and, it's and, one, and you're doing great. Yeah, and it's one of those things to where when you fighting for your freedom is hard work. But when you have to fight for something is when you will value it so much more. Yeah, and a lot of these kids are, and a lot of people live with the victim mentality where they're like, well, we're just going to stay in a domestic violence situation. We're just going to stay with an abuser. We're just going to stay here because it's comfortable. Because the unknown is uncomfortable. And I said, listen, and that's what I told a lot of these people. I said, I lost my home twice in 15 months. All of my possessions my most valuable possession right now is my Bible, my journal from India, and my hydro flask that I've traveled the world with. <laughs> and get you another one if you need it. No, it's cool, <laughs> but it has stickers that, you know, from around the yeah. world. Yeah. If there was a fire, I would grab those things because I realized that I've stored up so much treasure in heaven that none of those things even yeah. matter. Yeah. And for me, like, my calling, and especially with people who are in those situations right now, reach out to the church. Yeah. Get the right resources. You might be in a limbo. And let me tell you, when I explained my situation to people, people were like, question mark, question mark, question mark. We don't know what to do. But I had people like Pamela on the link list who were like, girlfriend, we have your back. And they helped me. And right now, I'm mentally, like, like mentally and emotionally the clearest that I've ever been in my life. Good. Yeah. Because all I ever wanted in my life was peace. And so really... But it was for me realizing that I was worth it enough. And that's what I told my parents. I said, I value what God has done in my life. And people are in that situation. They have to, they, they stay in that place because they believe they're unworthy. Yeah. And no one has fought for them. That day that I left, I was yelled and screamed at. You want to know the lies that I believed for three months that the enemy was feeding me? You're unworthy. You're, you're trash. You're unwanted. Look at what, whatever, you know. But... I real, but I look at the cross and what Christ has done for me, and I realize that when no one else stood for me, Jesus did. Yeah, Christina, yeah. Um, when we went to the court, yeah, and we had violated the restraining order, yeah, and the judge had admonished uh, my legal counsel, yeah, uh, to examine the second greatest commandment. Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting for a judge yeah. to state. First great, the first commandment is love the Lord your God with all yeah. your heart, soul, strength, and mind. The second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. Yeah. So he's basically saying, 
you need to re-examine loving your neighbor because your yeah. church is open and you're a super spreader and you're causing trauma mm -hmm. to your community. I, I got his point. But I thought to myself, Judge, you don't understand. Mm -hmm. we're, we're not super spreaders. Mm -hmm. And this virus, we know the data on it. Mm -hmm. And we're dealing with the trauma that these draconian measures have perpetrated on our community. And this is coming at a great cost to us as a congregation because every Sunday we're open, we're fined. Mm -hmm. And we're ostracized and we're, we're relegated to you know, obscurity and the laughing stock. My feeling is that's irrelevant to me because I know what we're doing is right. We're contending for the business, businesses that are, have lost their businesses or are holding on by a thread. Mm -hmm. We're contending for the least in our community. And I wanted folks to hear your story because, Christine, I just want to tell you something. Mm -hmm. If all the heartache we face, and if I'm to see the inside of a prison cell, mm -hmm. if, if they want to come after us, they want to shut us, we've already counted the cost. If all of that happens and the only result was the ability to give you a safe place, it was completely mm -hmm. worth it. Yeah. You are yeah. precious. Thank you. Yeah. And there's more of you out there. Yeah. And we, we need to fight for you. Yeah. And I just, I want everybody to hear your story because it's yeah. critical. And there's, yeah. and, and I, I, I want the shepherds to hear this, the shepherds yeah. in our community. Yeah. You're, you're not loving your neighbor by adhering to tyranny. Yeah. This is what's happening. Yeah. While we're yielding to these draconian, tyrannical measures mm -hmm. that are doing nothing. Yeah. I mean, the Stanford study's pointing it out, and we know the data. And now it's time to say, look, we're shepherds, mm -hmm. and this is our responsibility. And if we love our neighbors, it's going to come at a cost. It may not be popular, mm -hmm. but no one ever called us to be popular. Yeah. We're, we're supposed to care for the least of these. Yeah. And I, I wanted everyone to hear your story because it's mm -hmm. critical. Yeah. You know, I think to Rob's point is that you said run to the light, which mm -hmm. is running to the shepherds out there. Yeah. And that's what we've been encouraging these shepherds to open up so they yeah. can be a light for somebody yeah. for you to run to. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a great encouragement to yeah. see that happen. Yeah. Let's do this because we usually stop at the top of the hour. Mm -hmm. Talk about, if you would, mm -hmm. the ministry involved in, mm -hmm. how we can get behind that. And then... Yeah. If you if if you realize that mm -hmm. as this broadcast goes out, there's going to be some folks tuning in, or they'll they'll have been referred to this. You got to hear this girl's story, mm -hmm. and and they're like, "Wow, that's me. What do I do?" Mm -hmm. uh, let's give them some practical hope and some help. Yeah, and and use us if you want, yeah. or even the ministry whosoever's. But talk to them. Mm -hmm. uh, let, let's just say I'm one of them. What, what would you say, and how would you promote the ministry and how can folks get involved in what you're doing and support mm -hmm. what you're doing? Yeah. Let, let's, let's let folks know. Talk yeah. about it. So with the Who servers right now, um, we're starting our tours again this year because we know that a lot of the sheriffs are like, we're not going to be enforcing the stupid rules right. of the governor. Sher sheriffs know how valuable what you do are. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 oh, and of course, all of a sudden, they're opening the state and realizing that the lockdowns don't work, which is told we can get into that, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever. And so... Right now, you know, you guys can go to like thewhosoevers.com and if you guys want us to come out to your, we've, we're doing all across the U.S. right now, you know, because international stuff is closed down and you would like us to come in to your skate parks, to your church, to your school, we're coming out with the documentary on Netflix and um, Amazon Prime from, that's called Full Send. It's our Boise skate tour we did last year to really document how COVID really impacted the youth about, you know, mental illness and all this stuff and what God did. A lot of Holy Spirit stuff in there. It's really cool. Um, you can book us to have us come out, you know, to do a skate park tour in your area, you know, partner with your church and do stuff with your youth to really reach the community. Personally, if you're in that situation, my encouragement to you would be to find a church in the area because for me, and that's one thing that I really encouraged with pastors doing is we've, we're traveling. Stay open. Because all these kids, where are they going? Where are they, they going? Go yeah. Let's yeah. do this. Um, yeah. uh, info at godspeak.com yeah. if, if folks are tuning in and yeah. they're trying to find a church that's open. Yeah. If you, if you email us at info at godspeak.com, yeah. we'll research your area and try to connect because we have a number of what we call yeah. uh, the Declaration of Dissenting Churches. Yeah. And they're open, mm -hmm. uh, facing all the ridicule and, mm -hmm. and mocking and you know, yeah. scorn. Uh, 
yeah. but they're open and yeah. we'll direct them to that. Mm -hmm. So let's yeah. let's do that. Yeah. And then um, what does it cost to put one of these events on? So usually like when we do like a skate park tour, like we usually ask churches like, will you cover the cost of like, because we just go in and like, would you cover the cost of like the merch? You know, because we do a skate contest for the kids. Yeah. Merchandise could be like 100 or $200 worth of merchandise for that specific skate park. We'll throw out to the kids. And like you buy pizza and we pass out pizza to the kids. And we just love on them. You know, know, that's really it. And so like. Let's do this then. Yeah. Uh, we'll say this to yeah. the churches out there. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you're willing to open and minister to the kids in your community that mm -hmm. are suffering in this trauma, yeah. and you want to bring the whosoevers out, yeah. and you're struggling to afford it, yeah. contact us, info yeah. at godspeak.com. We'll help with that. Yeah. And we'll, we'll support that ministry. Yeah. If you go on your website, can you find the dates and locations of the places that <clears throat> you're going to be so that uh, yeah. people can attend yeah. that? So, yeah, so if they go on the website, like, we're just starting to book, like, for all of Southern California right now. So if any churches want to get behind what we're doing, because we are, we are a ministry and a nonprofit, so oftentimes it's, like, if the churches can get behind covering the cost of, like, the merchandise. And we do, we'll like, do $100 this trick. Yeah, for sure, yeah. So, you know, um, you can go to whosoevers.com. Okay. Yeah. And and you are our missionary, so yes, you, we've I'm got, a missionary we, with God's name. Yeah, <laughs> we, we got your cost covered. Yeah, but we'll yeah. help with the whosoever events yeah. anywhere where a church that's willing yeah. to open yeah. and care for these kids. Yeah, we'll help you with the cost of that event. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Yeah, you wanna you wanna share with the kids something on your heart? Uh, just anything that would just bring them encouragement. Yeah, something maybe the Lord's spoken to you and. And with that, we'll, after you're done, we'll, we'll close with a blessing, and I'll pray yeah. for everybody. Anything that's on your heart. You get, you get to have the final word. Oh. <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing that I learned this last year... You can talk straight to okay. me like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, one of the biggest things I learned this year, um, a lot of people have felt very alone in their suffering. A lot of people have, have felt like, like even what I went through last year with my family and being quarantined with my abuser and having to leave my home, I thought to myself, like, who can understand my suffering? You know, but the Bible says that we have a high priest yeah. who sympathizes with our weaknesses and everything that you are going through, everything that you have felt, Jesus felt on the cross and he understands. Like, That's empathy is the greatest gift. And I realized that Christ, when he came, I the Lord was speaking to me about this this morning. He could have come as a king on a horse, and he could have lived this lavish life and said, follow me and you can get to heaven. But he chose to suffer for his creation, alongside of his creation, so that we can identify, so that he can identify with us. Yeah. And so everything you're going through, he knows. And his heart was broken for you, and he loves you. And he's fighting for you. And through my suffering, Christ was the only one that brought me peace. Like I live in, like even yeah. with church and with everything that I didn't mend that pain with drugs, with alcohol, with sex, with pornography. I allowed God's word. I allowed worship. I allowed the Holy Spirit, community and church. But it was really the love of God that mended that pain Amen. and continues to mend that pain. And that one of my favorite quotes is found in a song by United Pursuit, and by United Pursuit, and it says, "I'm so forgetful, but you always remind me that you're the only one that brings me peace. Mm -hmm. Drugs is temporary peace, alcohol is temporary peace, sex, pornography is temporary peace, but Christ is eternal peace." Yeah. And that's just what I want to share with them. Mm. Yeah. Good job. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. You're really good at this. Yeah. Yeah, man. Take over for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for blessing. Thank us. you. So thank proud you. of you. Thank you. So proud of you. Thank you. Well, I'm going to let you do the numbers tonight. So what we do is it's our tradition. We read out of number six. It's a blessing, and yeah. let's just read this blessing on all the the young folks out there. Yeah. yeah. Let's do yeah. it for them. What cool. do you say? Okay, yeah. go for it. Number six, twenty-four through twenty-six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Let, me, uh, let me pray. That's it. Lord, thank you for Christina and blessing us tonight. And Lord, please, I just pray you'd open up the hearts of uh, our public servants, that they would hear this and it would pierce them. And we'd just be done with the political side of this and we'd start to deal with it understanding that there's an entire segment of our population that is 
in, in critical condition that desperately needs to be set free from the misery of these lockdowns and being quarantined with their abusers and the heartache that's out there. Lord, give them hope, and I pray that uh, their eyes would be open and they would they would relent from from this insanity and they would remove this tyranny and set these folks free. And so, God, please, we pray your healing upon our communities. And I just want to say thank you for Christina and her bravery and her tenacity and her faithfulness. And so, Lord, provide for her and the whosoevers. Mm -hmm. And, Lord, please heal this generation of young people who've been devastated by this. Yeah. We commit all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Rob. Thanks, Christina. Yeah. You rock. Okay, I have one question for you. Yeah. So there are, I think, like 16 skate parks from, like, Venice Beach to, like, Ventura. And if we do a skate park tour with the Whosoever's for two weeks with that, can God speak get behind that? Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's a deal. Yeah. I'll he shake said it yes, up. like, five hours ago. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. shake on it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. You want to remind people that you're going up to... Yeah, so uh, tomorrow we're heading... I'm leaving early in the morning, driving to San Jose. Oh, no, uh, Pastor Mike... Yeah, no, you got me on, on yeah, live. Yeah. Yeah, you got that agreement You got him live. shaking on live. Yeah, so, so Pastor Mike McClure is uh, facing... Uh, they're actually going to rule um, in the case tomorrow, and it's going to be at 1.30. So uh, we do have our broadcast for tomorrow night with uh, the Lieutenant Commander from the Navy mm -hmm. SEALs, and then we're going to give you an update on Friday... Uh, with what happened in San Jose, yeah. and we'll have footage of all of it. But please keep it in prayer. Pray for Pastor Mike and, and all the folks there at Calvary Chapel San Jose. $1.7 million in fines, 25000 to him, 22000 for his assistant pastor. It's insane. Uh, they want to put him in jail, which is just unbelievable. They're releasing thousands of criminals on the streets, and they're, they're, they're putting a, a, over a mil, almost $2 million in fines mm -hmm. on a church. This this has got to stop. So uh, we're encouraging folks from all over California to come tomorrow, 1.30 at the courthouse in San Jose. Uh, you'll see it on our website if you want to join us. I'm leaving at 6 a.m., driving there. Um, and so we'll be with you tomorrow night. And tune in. It'll be a remarkable broadcast. And again, Christina, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And David, good job. And we'll see you all tomorrow night.